Okay, welcome back to a very special bonus episode of the Uppercut Podcast. We are here with UFC welterweight Adam Fugit. Adam is 9-3 and three and is coming off of a round one TKO win over Yusako Kinoshita last Saturday on UFC Vegas 68. Adam, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me back on, guys. I'm, I'm glad I can get back on here. Of course. Um, So, you're coming off of your first UFC win. How does that feel? <laughs> oh, man, it's... The surreal feeling, right? You know, just yeah. uh, up on cloud nine. Uh, I finally just got back home uh, and, uh, you know, still riding the wave a little bit, but it's starting to kind of come down back to reality and just get back to business as usual. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine what, it, what it's like to work that hard for something and finally get it. That's awesome. Um, Mike, you're, you? I was just going to say you're way better than me. I probably would have threw a thousand on a roulette number or something on the way out. I would have been buzzing big time. <laughs> Oh, I mean, uh, you know, it, it crossed my mind. But if I had to throw any money on anything, it would have been myself. Unfortunately, as a we, as a UFC fighter, we can't do that anymore. So, but yeah, I definitely was thinking about <laughs> like, what do I do now? You know, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling good. Let's do something. And we ended up going out to a little nightclub afterwards, and uh, I figured out that's not quite my scene. But <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah, I can't imagine what it was like in Vegas. So, so you went out after the fight. Was that like four o'clock in the morning that you guys went out there? Pretty much. We got, I think, about like, I don't know, like one or two in the morning. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. one. So, yeah. So, like four o'clock our time. Yeah, that's insane. Um, Yeah. Uh, So, we, I just want to talk about your first fight against uh, Michael Morales. Obviously, a tough fight. But what I think people don't understand is how how much the cards were stacked against you. You came in on short notice against a guy that is, you know, like really rising right now. Not to say that you're a great, not a great fighter. You are a great fighter, but you just came in with all these cards stacked against you. How did you feel going into that fight, and what was that fight like for you? You know, just just knowing that it was on nine days' notice, and uh, you know, didn't get much time to prepare and everything. I kind of just took it in stride. You know, um, mm-hmm. I like to create these little, I don't know, reset phrases in my head when. Uh, I have a fight camp mm-hmm. and uh, on nine days notice, I, did, I, I didn't have much time to kind of create those, but one of them did come into my head right away. And, and uh, it was, uh, I just, I'm going to go in there and, and give it my all and uh, do what I know I can do. And at the end of the day, you know, he's going to have to, he's going to have to put me out to, to get me out of there. And uh, I think back on that. I was like, why did I have that last part in there? Yeah, I'm a try. I, I'm really am a believer mm-hmm. in kind of uh, manifesting things, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and I th- I really think I manifested that uh, that the the outcome of that fight was just that simple thing, you know. Even on nine days' notice, I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I have that last yeah. part in there? She's just, I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna do the best that I can do, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's that that's it. I I just gotta go be me, you know. Uh, but no, I had to put in the he got in order to get me out of there. He's going to have to put, you know, put me out and it came true, man. And, yeah. um, I had something similar with this fight, you know, um, going into it. I, re- I refused to, to look at it that way. It was like, I'm going to go in there and, um, this is, you know, this is my time to show everybody fight camp. Fugit is a real thing. You give me the time to prepare. I can, I can beat anybody and I don't want to just go in there and beat this guy. I want to go in there and finish him and, and, uh, you know, I, I think it was your guys' podcast. Maybe it was another one that I, I talked about, you know, I really want to get the knockout and 
as the fight progressed, as the camp progressed and got closer, the the visualization on that knockout just wasn't as clear, wasn't yeah. coming as clear. I didn't see it quite in like high def as you can would say, you know, if I could say that, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't see it in high def, but something that became very clear was getting this guy to the ground and uh, finishing him with strikes from the top position. Um, and it was, it was odd that that's, you know, that's what ended up happening just, you know, and I, again, it just reconfirms to me that, you know, visualization and saying the right things, you know, maybe not even out loud, but in your head, um, it definitely, you know, contributes to, to what happens on that night. Yeah, for sure. That's a really cool way of looking at it. We haven't, we've had a lot of fighters on here and none of them have really talked about that visualization aspect of things. Um, to be fair, you looked really solid in that first fight. And I remember watching it and that's when I became admittedly a huge fan of yours. I, I really like the way that you fight. I love the way that you just like bob your head and kind of keep movement and just the way that you're so like calm and collected in these really tough spots. And then how tough you are. Like you take some really big shots. You took one last fight against Kinoshita. You took this like head kick that my roommates yeah. and I just like all were like, oh no. And you just ate it and then took him down. How do you do that? You know, um, I, I can't take any credit for the toughness that I that I have, the you know, um, that will, I guess. I, I've just developed it over time. But that fight could have definitely, you know, I, I'm not going to discount that. that. That fight could have been de- uh, definitely different mm. um, from that that point right there. I, you know, maybe – so he's a he's a, my last opponent Kinoshita. he's a karate background guy you yeah. know um if you kind of study karate kicks um they're not real known for getting their hips through where um tie boxing when i came up through the ties man they uh they believe in like trying to cut you in half yeah you know that's a baseball bat that leg's a baseball bat and they're gonna swing and they're gonna try to take you you know cut you in half with it and uh so I, I was just kind of lucky that that kick, it, it was at an upward angle mm-hmm. more than a threw me type angle. Mm-hmm. And the way that, the way that he kind of threw it, his, if you look at it, if you go back and watch it, his knee kind of turns over a little bit, which gave me, I, be, I you know, my, my left side of my face is I don't have any swelling. I don't have any bruising. So I, I don't want to say it didn't land, but I don't, there's, there's nothing there. So it, it was definitely much more of a, like a touching, like a snappy yeah. kick almost. Yeah. Right. And I think I kind of absorbed it before the snap happened. Right. Yeah. The snap, I'm not, I'm not saying a karate kick can't put you out. It definitely can't, but it, it's going to take that snap. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that I absorbed it before the snap actually had happened, you know, and uh, what you kind of heard that thud at the, or you didn't, you didn't hear a thud. What you kind of hear was that slap at the end, you know, um, and I think I caught a lot of his uh, outside of his calf and not so much his shin. So I yeah. think, that, you know, just trying to be, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, just trying to kind of come out of it as an investigative perspective. I think that's yeah. how I took that kick and kept on trucking. Um, not that it was uh, so much my uh, mental fortitude or my toughness. Yeah. <laughs> it well, just you didn't land. That, you know, I do have that. I do yeah. have that. But uh, I definitely know from um, – all my years of fighting and, and uh, you know, a couple of my losses, you know, it's, it's not the, I'll tell you right now though, the weakest punch I've ever been knocked out or ever hit with was the one that knocked me out. You know, um, mm. not that the guy hits weak or any of that stuff, but it's just one I didn't see coming. 
yeah. um, at all. And it touched me right on the chin and, you know, you can go and I'm sure you can go find some YouTube videos of, you know, little, you know, kids with boxing gloves on their, their parents holding from them. They miss and they hit their parent right on the chin and their parent just goes out. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't take much. It's something like eight pounds of pressure in the, in the jaw being touched and you'll go out, you know? So, um, yeah, I definitely don't want to put it out there like I, I got the iron chin and I'm invincible, but, you know, because I definitely know these things. I, I, I yeah. live through them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, like you mentioned, it only takes eight pounds. We saw that. Um. I forget which fight it was. I think it was like the fourth fight on that card. Um. It was the Japanese fighter against the fighter. I believe he's from like Indonesia or something. He caught one in the chin. It was it was a hard shot. But it was a let. It, it wasn't. It was just about the placement. He hit him right on the chin. He got the brain to move and put him out cold. So you're totally right about that, uh, Mike. What did you have to say? Yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about your mentality heading into this fight. So this is one of them fights. You know, you go in, and I think you've already mentioned it in another interview. Like, if you look at the tail of the tape, it's almost like, uh, oh, here's a rising prospect. Let's feed him a seasoned vet and hope he wins. But one of we've talked about it before on this podcast. One of our favorite things is when the seasoned vet puts an end to that. Like you like spoil their plans, and it's just so awesome to watch because everything can't just be hunky dory all the time. You can't just propel someone to the top and expect them to roll everyone. And I mean, for you to finish him too, not on, like not only dominate him, but you finish him. Do you have like a different mindset going into fights like that? Do you come in with a chip on your shoulder at all, or is everyone more of just like an opponent? You know, um, I definitely felt like uh, they kind of, you know, I definitely feel like they've made me out to be a little bit of like the gatekeeper, you know, they're putting me against all these young, tough prospects, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm all right with it. I'm okay with it. Um, I I like to play the spoiler. I've done it a lot in my career. It's it's kind of, it's funny, these different promotions, they'll bring me out and, uh, you know, I'm always fighting their tough, their top guy. And they, so I, I get, I got to play the spoiler a lot in my career and I'm just kind of used to it. I kind of thrive in it along with kind of being the underdog. Um, but yeah, when they, when I get that call and I, and I saw it's another young prospect, it's, uh, you know, I, you know, I know what they want. They want, they want to build this person up. You know, there's a lot more potential there than there is here, but, uh, I just, I think I just go into this mindset of, you know, um, you know, just, just bring it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's right. go. You know, I, I, I'm looking to ruin your, your plans. Uh, sooner or later, Vegas will, will stop, uh, or maybe they won't, but I, I believe that sooner or later Vegas will stop betting against me. I, you know, and if they don't, then I'll happily, you know, continue to help people take your money. Like, you know, take down the big establishment, I guess. I don't know, you know. Selfishly, <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> selfishly, I kind of hope they keep underrating you because I got myself and all my roommates to bet on you because I knew we watched both of your tapes. Obviously, I've, as I mentioned, I've been a big fan of yours. I've watched a lot of your stuff, and I knew this fight going into it that you were going to get this win. I could just feel it. Um, not that I'm taking any credit for your performance, but I do like they had you at plus 280 or something. So a lot of my roommates were loving your performance because they made a lot of money off of that. Not that that would it, not that that's what it's about, but um, no, I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> diving into the um, diving in just to like the fight itself a bit Um, from watching Kinoshita's fights. We kind of saw they had this like tendency to overextend on some strikes and it left them open to some counters. Um. Mm-hmm. 
if you are able to tell us or you feel comfortable telling us about this, what was your game plan going into this fight? So, I, you know, I keep going back to this whole, you know, I need to set the space, you yeah. know, so that I can control the pace of the fight. He, he was he, a lot faster. I, I was already, I knew he was going to be fast and that left hand was going to be sneaky, but it was even more so than I had even anticipated. So I was really going to, you know, re- try to keep that space um, circle away from his left hand, mm-hmm. which um, surprise, surprise, uh, you know, when you're, when you're orthodox versus orthodox, yeah. they always talk about don't circle into the guy's power hand. And he gave my left hand no respect. He was like, screw that. I'm circling right into it. And he was cutting me off. He was, you know, um, really stopped me from circling away from his power hand. He was able to cut some distance and sneak it in there. And so um, right out of the gate, he kind of threw me for a loop. Um, I didn't creep keep the space. I had to get a reset in there. Um, and so I had to end up going back to my right. And uh, if you watch it, it's right before the head kick. I hit him clean with two hooks and then a straight right hand. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, a- I think it's after he catches my kick as well. Um, and that was the turning, the turning moment, you know, um, uh, I'll give this advice. I'll give this information out to you guys. I'm right-handed. So, you know, my left hand isn't my, uh, my most powerful weapon. Yeah. It's getting much better. My left kick and my right hand are, are, are the two, mm-hmm. the, the, the two weapons I'd go to any battle with, you know, give me my yeah. right hand, give me my left kick, you know? And, uh, so yeah, he really, uh, he caught the left kick. He, I, I kind of, uh, I knew he was going to shut that down a little bit with the, the same stance, the 50, 50 stance. I knew he was going to shut that down a little bit. Um, he, so he's cutting that left side off. I had to go back to the right. I hit him with two clean hooks, um, two hooks that actually really, I have some swelling still in my hand from it. Yeah. Um, two hooks that, you know, this is also the moment I realized I go, okay, the knockout's not going to be here tonight. We're going to the ground. Um, two, not, two hooks that w- I'm confident would have knocked a lot of people out. I hit him with them. And that was kind of my, that was my counter offense for his left hand was going to be hitting him with the, the hook because Again, like you guys said, he kind of overextends. And again, he's got that karate style. So he keeps his chin up in the air a lot of times when he throws. And yeah. so I hit him two two hooks. Then I hit him with that straight. And if you watch the fight, that's exactly the moment when I earned that respect. I think Laura Senko even said, said uh, that's a, you know, right there. That's that's Adam getting that respect. He backed off me a little bit. And then the, the head kick came and I ended up going. You know, that's when I was going for the takedown to begin with. So, and that's when everything started kind of changing. Yeah. So you mentioned that, uh, respect. And then I was watching your post fight interview. You said, um, you went, you got, you got like that straight that got you your respect. And then from there you went into your plan B, which is what you guys call your triangle offense. Um, yeah. being a basketball guy, I love that term triangle offense is from the New York Knicks. Uh, I believe it was like Phil Jackson or someone kind of put that in there. That's right. Um, the, yeah, bulls, was, the bulls, man, the bulls. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. And, um, yeah, and he brought it to multiple teams. They've been doing it. I don't know if they still do it as much anymore. But um, yeah, I was wondering if you get into that a little bit more. Is that a standard game plan for fighters, or is that like a unique plan that just you guys implement? You know, that's just our lingo that we we you know you don't want to have um, I don't know. I you want to come up with code words for your for yourself. Yeah. So if you're fighting somebody that you know is uh you know speaking the same language as you, you know you guys aren't not figuring out what you're running and. So that's just one of our code words and uh, the triangle offense for me is all about cutting off 
the uh, the corners for my opponent once I kind of get the, get their respect and uh, get them from coming forward into me. Um, that's when I'm going to try to just keep them in the middle, right? They step mm-hmm. to their left. I'm going to have an, I got answers there. I, I got combinations I like to go to depending on how they're moving. They go right again, same thing. And um, so, you know, that's just, uh, it's, it's also kind of like a pressure offense, yeah. you know, because um, I'll realistically, I'm only wanting to give them one way out, or I guess it'd be two, two ways out. You either got to go backwards or you got to come forwards. You know, that's yeah. the kind of what I'm putting on them. And if you come forwards, you're going to end up getting clinched up or, or, or tied up. And, and so, yeah, that's just kind of, that's what we call it. We go right into running our triangle offense or um, uh, yeah, you know, um, I, I, that's the best as I could. That's the best I can explain it. No, it makes sense. Yeah. Like you said, your goal, keep a middle, go back to the cage. That's an awful position when your back's to the cage, you're just getting pieced up or go forward. Like you said, and you're, you've got the top Muay Thai background that clinch is very dangerous. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Mike, what did you have to say? So I was just going to say from watching some of your previous fights before this, one of the biggest things that stuck out to us, uh, besides your, uh, head movement, head movement, was your toughness in your chin. And I know you touched on that a little bit, but were you like, like, where does that come from? Like, did you get in any fights when you were younger? Like, like, or did you just grow up kind of like in a blue collar family? I'm always interested to hear fighters talk about where that comes from. Like, is it like a place of malice almost inside you? Cause it's not normal for us. Right. Uh, you know, I definitely think it's a, it's a combination of things, you know, um, I definitely grew up in a, in a blue collar family and, um, you know, I was out on farms working when I was real young and doing that, but, uh, I, it's also, you know, I was also the quiet kid that had, you know, I always joke about it. I have one of those punchable faces, you know, that people thought they always, you know, I would walk in a room of 50 people and I'm going to find one person that looks at me and they got that look, like, look at this guy over here. You know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to punch him in the face. That's what their face read, you know? And, um, my parents always kind of taught me this, the, the lesson sticks and stones, you know, can break your bones, but words can't hurt you kind of thing. So I never really developed being good with my words, um, <laughs> being able to trash talk. I, I just didn't have the, 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 the knack for it. So, um, <laughs> it was, uh, constantly getting in fights in my youth. Um, and then my parents basically, you know, like, Hey, we don't know what to do with you. You can't be getting in fights. You're going to get expelled. If fighting is unacceptable. It's un- inexcusable. Um, and they kind of, you know, I don't know, they put the fear, fear in me a little bit about that. So now it's like, I can't talk shit. I don't know how yeah. to, I don't know how to run my mouth <laughs> and I'm no longer allowed to fight, you know? So what is, uh, what the heck do I do? You know, this is, yeah. uh, so it, it's all kind of manifested inside me um, to the point where, uh, you know, I think it's just, it goes back to some pinup, pinup aggression and, you know, how do you tell a guy you're going to, you know, I'm going to kick your ass without being able to kick their ass and you, and you can't talk shit. And, yeah. and so it literally goes back to just, you know, you just wait and see, you just wait and see, I'm going to show you one of these days. And so yeah. Here's my time. <laughs> there here's you go. my time, you know, that's fucking yeah. awesome. That is awesome. Making the most out of it. I love that answer. Um, so let, yeah, let's go backwards a little bit. Um, how did you get into MMA? Was it, so your parents, you said that your parents said, uh, fighting was unacceptable. Were they more accepting when you started doing it in like a uh, controlled environment? I.e., did you start like wrestling in high school or something, or how did you get involved? 
Yeah, I found wrestling in high school, and that was my that was it, man. I, uh, yeah. I and I had so many opportunities before high school to go. My dad drove me to a couple of, of clubs, kids clubs and stuff, and I remember like crying in the in the parking lot, like oh, no, yeah, I just don't, you know, I was so, so I had so much anxiety about going into new environments and yeah and stuff like that, and uh, so I remember missing out on that, going into high school, finding wrestling there, and just like oh my gosh, it was the <laughs> outlet I needed to. To, to you know get rid of that that's my competitive outlet to get rid of all that pent-up emotion and aggression so that was you know um that was a huge thing for me and after college i i went to work you know um again a blue collar family and i basically said you got to go get a job or you gotta find a career son you know <laughs> life starts man and uh so after you know basically going like a year maybe a year and a half off of not doing anything i i was I was going mad. I just told him, I was like, you know, this isn't suicidal or anything, but if this is what life is day in and day out, going to this nine to five yeah. and I don't want it. I don't, I don't want it. Like if I, I need to figure something else out, you know, like mm-hmm. um, th- and there was a, a bunch of things running through my head at the, at that time. Like, you know, there's gotta be some kind of like foreign exchange program or I guess sign up as a missionary or something. I, I don't know. Get me out of here. I was even looking yeah. at the military you know, and then I found a jujitsu gym and shortly after finding that he, uh, com- uh, combined up or merged with my gym I'm at now. And I walked in, I'd never done any striking whatsoever. And, you know, uh, but I, I had that arrogance and that I carried myself, you know, in high regard. Cause I had that wrestler mentality. Once you wrestled, everything else is easy. You know, I, I walk into a Muay Thai yeah. class and, uh, my Muay Thai coach was basically just like, you know he's like i don't i don't like this guy again there's the punchable face thing you yeah, know? yeah they took yeah. it he took his best fighter and goes hey go spar this guy and he kicked my ass for you know he, he beat he beat, put it on me pretty good um that first one and i remember walking away from that practice going holy crap i need to i need to humble myself and i need to uh come back and learn how to strike yeah. You know, and so I spent three years doing that three years, just doing Muay Thai up and down the West coast. Um, as far up as Vancouver, BC, down to Arizona, wow. into the Midwest. Yeah. But yeah. Um, then, then it finally came full circle. Um, heck, I don't even think my parents went to my first uh, couple of Muay Thai fights. They're like, what is this? And then, uh, <laughs> you know, it wasn't going away. So they, my dad finally traveled up to Vancouver, BC with me and, He's like, I think that that was the first time that like he really like recognized like, oh, this my son's got something in this sport, and yeah, you know, as much as I want him to quit it and walk away and keep his you know his mental health about him, you know, I don't think I could stop him from doing this. Yeah, that I mean, that's that's an awesome story. I, I we've most of the guys we've talked to kind of grew up in it and just kind of that was their natural progression. So it's nice to hear a different side of things where you say you're having this dead end job and then you go, you know, and you find your calling, so to speak, which that's really awesome. And, uh, yeah, it just gives, gives a lot of people hope, I think. Um, so this next segment we're going to do real quick, it's a rapid fire segment. Um, if you want, just, you know, give us the first name you can think of when we ask the question and then it can be someone you fought with, you trained with, you've just, you know, sparred with whatever, um, anything. So just to start off, Who is the hardest puncher you faced? 
the hardest puncher I faced, Troy Trouble Jones. All right. Shout out Troy Jones. Shout out Troy Jones. Yeah. Um, who is the best wrestler? Uh, Austin Vanford uh, that I fought. Mm-hmm. Mike? Who's your favorite fighter all time? That one's definitely tough, but uh, I'm just going to go with Anderson Silva. Nice. All right. Um, who is your favorite fighter right now? Oh man, <laughs> that one's tough. Um, There's a lot of good ones. Yeah, there is. There is. Uh, Volkanovski comes to mind for sure. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm gonna go with Volkanovski right now. So, uh, real Great quick pick. sidebar: Are you picking him against uh, Islam? I am. Nice. All right, Mike. What was your next one? All right, one more. Uh, who's a dream opponent for you in the welterweight division? It can be past or present. Past or present? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is a uh, tough Neil, one. Neil Magny's been in the game a long time. Oh, I would that would be. A, I, I'd like to. I'd like to get up to the ranks and, and get in there with him and um you know just for ego purposes there could only be one uh one representative for five for one right now and that i guess that <laughs> I, that other one would have to be colby covington you know because you got to yeah. see who's better yeah there you go <laughs> that's awesome and then wait real quick um is there any fighter that you dislike the most i know you don't talk you know shit. that's <laughs> let's say i it's not that i dislike him yeah um but i really do not I, I hate i hate trash talk yeah and where colby Cummings is cringy you know trash talk yeah. this guy's uh trash talk i just don't believe there should be any place in the game for it because as much as i want to go in there and and win and beat my opponents I never wish any real damage to them. So when yeah. Hamzat Shamayev is chanting out, he's going to kill people. Wow. I just think that that's, that's completely inappropriate. And the respect that I have for him as a fighter and as a competitor just kind of goes out the window and it really just, it irks me. Wow. All right. Uh, I agree a million percent. I lost a lot of respect when you missed weight by that much. So <laughs> right. I really did it 100%. for me. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything you want to plug or promote before you go? Just, uh, you know, shout out to uh, Iridium Sports, you know, my management uh, for helping me out and getting me here. Um, Peter Johannes, he's the guy that has uh, helped me get into Iridium. Um, shout out to my team at Art of War MMA, my head coach, Jason Georgiana, uh, my Muay Thai coach, um, coaches, um, Tom, Cobb Tongsai and, uh, Josh Atkins of uh, Tongside Muay Thai. I appreciate them. And uh, yeah, uh, shout out to my girlfriend, Sir Sophie Lang, for putting up with Weight Cut Adam. <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Good luck in all your future endeavors. You got a bunch of big fans here uh, following you. We got Mar- uh, New Hampshire and Maryland representing. So you got fans there now. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on and good luck in everything. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, uh, man. Have you on- and call me back whenever you want me on again. Oh,